It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. This is a Manhattan-bound B-Express train. The next stop is Grand Street. Mind the gap. Hello. I'm John Elledge, and this is Skyline's The City Metric Podcast. If you've been been listening for a while, then you'll know that a, a couple of months back, we did a pair of episodes speaking to two of the candidates shortlisted to be the Conservative candidate for Mayor of London. There are actually three people on that shortlist, and true to my luck in life in general, the one we couldn't persuade to do an interview was the one who proceeded to win that contest, Sean Bailey, uh, currently a member of the London Assembly, Twice failed uh, parliamentary candidate in Hammersmith and where was it? Penge? Somewhere like yeah, that. Lewis Lewis and West in yeah, Um He declined to speak to us as I get the impression he's declining to speak to a lot of journalists. So I'm not taking it too personally. And if I was running his campaign, that is probably how I would manage things too, to be honest, because it's not going, it's not going so well. Anyway, I figured it was time we kind of had a sort of, you know, if, if Sean won't come to us, then we will, we will discuss him behind his back, like, like school children down the ages. So I've got Stephen Bush here to talk to me about how, how it's all going. Hello, Stephen. How are you doing? I'm well. How are you? I'm all right. I'm quite looking forward to being, being terribly mean about someone who snubbed me. So, I mean, I think, um, not to endorse uh, the snubbing of this podcast, but I think you're exactly right. Like, And I say, I have to put my hands up as someone who, when he announced, went, look, he's not going to beat Sadiq Khan, but he's not going to embarrass the Conservative Party. A judgment that looks like it may have been half right. Um, but equally, he's, he's, he's a, a poor candidate. I doubt he has a particular grip on any sort of areas of the role he so definitely has always come across as a bit of a lightweight. He's not an uh, expert in, in planning policy, is he? English. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I think it would have been... So, I mean, the other two candidates, I think, emerged from their appearances on this podcast with their reputations enhanced. I do not think that uh, Sean mm-hmm. Bailey would have emerged from it with his reputation enhanced, and therefore he his team were wise to swerve it. Yes, I think so. I mean, like I, I did actually... I mean, I just liked sort of chatting wonkery, really, but I did enjoy speaking to both of them. Andrew Boff is... He's he's been thinking about how to run London for a long time. This is like his fourth tilt at the mayoralty, and like he has some views I'm I'm not sure of on how to solve the housing crisis and so on. But he has spent a lot of time thinking about it. He's clearly engaged with the mechanics of the role. If it had been up to me, I would have picked Joy Morrissey actually, because I kind of think the worst case scenario there is that I think Londoners would be flattered by an American saying, "Hey, I love this city so much, I want to be your mayor." 
I think she was talking about a lot of issues that are kind of not traditional conservative issues like homelessness and childcare that would appeal to kind of the middle class London voters she would need to win. I, I think Sadiq might find it difficult to run against a woman. And I think the worst case scenario if they picked Morrissey would have been she would emerge as a new star in the Conservative Party who they could later parachute into a seat. Um I don't think Bailey's going to have that good a run. What do you reckon? Yeah, I mean, so when they when they were announced, I basically, whenever I would see someone who worked for Sadiq Khan, I'd go, well, look, in order, which order would you want them? And, and the commonality was that uh, Bailey would finish last. I think, um, so I think, you know, Boff uh, would have been very strong. He really knows the brief. Uh, he has a variety of independent views, so you couldn't do the whole, he's an avatar of the Tory party mm-hmm. in the country. You couldn't run if things went badly wrong for, for Sadiq for some reason. He couldn't run a fear campaign based on the idea that he's a dangerous uh, right winger. Um, so I think, although I think you're right about all of the uh, the upsides of a Morrissey candidacy, the one tactical advantage that Morrissey does not have is because she is someone who is clearly going places and part of the the benefits of her being the candidate would have been uh, creating someone who who could have gone on and, and done other things for them. She wouldn't have been able to, if, you know, those of these don't really feel like hypotheticals. If in 2020, two big issues that are a problem for the Tory party are Brexit and Heathrow, uh, Joy Morrissey's ability to kind of go, oh, I'm not that type of conservative is a lot more limited because she is someone who uh, could and should be aiming to uh, get a seat, a safe seat in Parliament somewhere. Andrew Boff, uh, you know, there's no, I'm just going to say it, is near the end of his career than the beginning. Yeah. So he would be much more able in that situation, just like Brexit, bad, Heathrow, you know, he is pro-Brexit, though. Yeah. So that's... He, he could do the whole kind of wrong type of Brexit, right? His, his yeah, ability okay. to... Um, whereas so, what they've actually got... Uh, yeah, I mean... Well, let's let's kind of run through some of the stuff that's that's emerged about Bailey so far. Um, so he's, he's offended... I mean, we should say these are not like current statements. It's basically, uh, I think particularly journalists, particularly Adam Biankov at Business Insider, have kind of been trawling his archive for stuff he's said in the past. But there seems to be like a sort of rich vein of slightly crazy things he said around 2005, in which he's offended pretty significant chunks of the population. Um, I mean, one of the highlights so far is talking about how celebrating Diwali would lead to a crime wave. That was a thing, wasn't it? Yeah. So he said that people taking off time for Diwali and Eid uh, would destroy our our community. And without our community, we would turn into a crime ridden cesspool. Remarks which uh, when they came out at first, they responded with a a very odd non sequitur criticising Emident Code, the uh, Labour MP in Kensington. Now, a lot of Conservatives think that the reason why he did that is because actually he views the mayoral run as a profile raise in order to be the candidate in Kensington next time but as a you know the the thing that's important to understand is um is as far as the uh conservative party's viability uh as the second party in London let alone its viability as a party which might uh, aspire to to get back to its 2012 position of winning a London mayoralty um affluent Hindu voters who do guess what take off time to celebrate Diwali are an essential part of that coalition right that's that isn't even a voter group than they need to have to win. That is a voter group than they need to have to do even as poorly as um, Zach Goldsmith did. The the remarks about uh, Muslims are obviously equally uh, offensive, but 
the conserv- they are less existential to the Conservative Party, although they also because the Muslim population is more likely to vote Labour. Yeah, yeah, is is yeah. less affluent uh, and in and Westminster terms also more concentrated in seats where where the Conservatives do not retain an interest. Although, of course, the other element of that is the other sort of pain point for the Conservatives in London are socially liberal graduates earning above average who in 2010 uh, and 2015 did vote for the Conservatives. And in 2017, uh, and indeed in the Richmond by-election and, and Sadiq's first mayoral win in 2016, very much did not. Um, and although, you know, like, you know, there is a very fair critique to be said, and there's a chunk of people in, uh, in, in who've, most of people who've moved to London, who, you know, they, they, they couldn't tell you which one of Diwali and Eid was which, but they like that they live in a city where those things are celebrated. They, 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 it's part of the mm. appeal of London to them, and they want their mayor to also feel that way. So, um, the multiculturalism of London is for its population, not a bug, it's a feature. It's yeah. something that people like. Yeah, and this is the thing is that people kind of want people to integrate into a kind of sort of Londonism, as it were. Uh, but they like this idea that, you know, people like, you know, will, yeah, then the people they're watching the football with will have different lives. Right? So, so those are, those are two sort of vital uh, voter groups and he is already, uh, annoyed. The- well, there's a much bigger one. He's, he's potentially annoyed, which is, um, women. Kind of all women, really. Can we talk about this? Yeah. Bailey has said that allowing teenagers access to free contraceptives and abortion services will lead to criminality. And this is a good bit normalized sex which is you know obviously like what does that what the hell does that even mean normalized sex i mean so the, the thing is i'm not going to defend those so from a public policy and oh no there's more i don't i don't want to, I, I should say there is more he also has written that young single women in the cities deliberately become pregnant and all the secure homes and benefits quote these people are not stupid if the state offers them money for doing something they will do it it's as simple as that it's not great is it Right. So from a public policy perspective, and indeed, a you know, kind of being correct about the facts, those statements are nonsense, right? Uh, the proportion of uh, lone parent households uh, has been roughly flat over about for about a quarter for about uh, 30 years. The proportion of teen pregnancies, however, is you know one of the big policy successes of the last Labour government. And indeed, uh, this Conservative government has just continued to fall and to fall and to fall and fall. And there are various policy interventions that both uh, parties, uh, we had Labour introduced and the Conservatives kept. There is also probably some social changes in terms of more uh, awareness about sex ed than have helped with that as well. The flip side is, although all of that is nonsense, it is at least nonsense that is popular with a, an electorally important section of Londoners, right? So, you know, indeed, the, the slightly weird thing is, is on my own estate, I will talk to people who will sort of say, because, you know, people have this idea that, I, you know, obviously they see me on TV occasionally, and I'm therefore something to do with politics, so they'll talk to me about politics, right? The, the idea that there are people who get pregnant to get a council house is really, really, really strong, uh, even though it has no basis in fact, or indeed in people's lived realities. The thing I find weird is people will say this to me at like tenants association meetings or whatever, and I just want to be like, but we know all of the people, are, who in this block do you think that is an adequate description of? I mean, mm. and if there are none on this block, then where where do these people live? Um, but at least that is something which, while it's stupid and wrong, does appeal to a chunk of Londoners who, you know, basically voted for Ken until 2008, then flipped back a little bit to Sadiq Khan, but not as much as, as other, other voters do. So at least it's stupid, but at least it's not electorally repellent, which I realise is the level we're already at with mm-hmm. Sean Bailey. Like, the remarks will be dumb, but at least that dumb remark is not like, you know... 
He also, in a possibly the same very busy 2005 pamphlet, suggested that good-looking girls tend to have been around, which is a a nice comment. Yeah, I mean, I think so. I think the problem with that comment, I want to know, is nobody editing this pamphlet? Like, how I, I can imagine, like someone saying this out loud. I want to know how this got into print as a good thing for anyone. To also, say. I, I think one of the other sort of remarkable things that. Uh, this is revealed is one it's a reminder of the hilarious state of the conservative party in 2005 but two i mean the number of people who've kind of said you know when i've gone these comments are not going to help him electorally have gone to say oh you know like he grew up on a on an estate i mean one he grew up in a terraced house next to an estate and was maintained by the local authority too i mean i grew up on an estate and live on an estate now it doesn't mean that i am like uh, you know i haven't like gleaned some magic social policy insights by dint of like you know i didn't absorb it from the walls um you know and i think there's there's an element to some of the like hype around bailey that he has never really lived up to that is basically this kind of like um yeah this kind of fetishization of oh well because of his background it must be true it's a bit like when labor mps have been in the army there are so few of them that people kind of project leadership qualities onto mm. some of them that are simply not there not mentioning any dan jarvis's in particular the way he was kind of talked up as a as, as a future labor leader based entirely on his biography rather than anything he'd actually sort of yeah. said or done politically i think yeah i mean dan jarvis is kind of yeah the other example uh i don't want more impressive than sean bailey but that is a little bit like going you know like more nutritious than mould. Um, he did manage to get himself elected mayor. Admittedly, the Labour mayor of the Sheffield City region is not... That's not a hard election. But nonetheless, he got that post. So. Yeah. And I think there's another sort of... There are another, the other problem that Sean Bailey has, uh, separate to his, uh, his remarks, um, I think at least, that there's a really strong streak of chauvinism among people who've lived in this city all our lives who i just don't think will accept as a mayoral as a mayoral prospect someone whose political career is clearly going backwards i mean fighting a marginal seat in 2010 and then a safe labor seat in 2017 is not not mm. the sign of a man whose star is on the rise and i just don't think that the londoners will ever accept a second tier he's been tipped as a rising star for over a decade now and you can't do that like you've either risen or you or they were wrong in the first place yeah Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. 
In four weeks, the typical new user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Okay, it's uh, time for another instalment of our, our occasional feature, Ask the Experts of the Centre for Cities. I am here with Director of Policy, Paul Swinney. Hello, Paul. How are you doing? Hello. Not bad. Yourself? Yeah, I'm all right. You know, just doing a podcast, as you do. <laughs> uh, and this week, I've got a, a, a fairly big question, I think, about, you know, urban policy making. It's like, do mayors matter? Does a city need a mayor to thrive? Or is it just like we've kind of been sort of shunted into this debate because like George Osborne really thought mayors mattered and he didn't want to do any devolution without it? Like, as, again, like, I feel like this is a regular question. Is it George Osborne's fault or is there something real here? <laughs> I think George Osborne actually had a, a good point with this. You know, there are a number, I think, of benefits that, um, that mayors have. Um, there's quite a lot of technical reasons why they're important, particularly if we think about you know, the current mayors, mayors that we have, which are sort of city region mayors rather than just a, a leader of a local authority. Um, but let's sort of set all that to one side. And I think the the real big benefit of a mayor is what people call sort of their soft powers. You know, it's having one person directly elected by actually a, a couple of million people in, in terms of the in terms of sort of Manchester and and London in particular, um, and having that sort of very high profile, which allows them to go and get things done. And I think that's the thing that um, local authority leaders in particular are probably constrained by because they're elected by. Um, by you know a couple of thousand people, perhaps in one neighbourhood, um, they're then sort of chosen to be leader behind closed doors within whichever party is in, in power. So, oh no, it's going to be your turn this time. Um, whereas you know the mayor has got that great legitimacy and go off and get things done. And I think it's quite interesting if we look at say um, Sadiq Khan having a, a profile in America, despite being the mayor of London. Uh, Andy Burnham clearly sort of taken on the mantle of being sort of you know, the, the mayor that actually leads for the north mm. and seeing that he can actually take his remit beyond Greater Manchester. Yeah, him and Steve Rotherham, the mayor of the Liverpool city region, clearly see themselves as having a bit of a, a double act going around banging the drum to Absolutely. invest in the north. Right? Absolutely. And I think that's great. And when you see the same things, I think, in other countries, particularly in America, you know, the, the mayor of New York has always been a very high profile position despite sort of changing, uh, obviously, um, many, many times. Um, that position still sort of t- keeps with it a, a real sort of um, esteem around the office, which allows whoever's occupying it to, you know, to go off and, and get things done. But is this just, I mean, it's sort of dependent on scale, isn't it? Like if you kind of look at, I mean, you were talking about the combined authority mayors and metro mayors. But we do have the uh, the local authority specific mayors, or it's effectively an elected leader of the council, and some of them have a bit of a national profile. I think Martin Rees in, in Bristol, yep. uh, Joe Anderson in Liverpool. Beyond that, you kind of get a bit stuck, don't you? I mean, you don't tend to hear so much about what the mayor of Watford has been saying. So, is it just like it's a way of personifying a place, and it's not actually going to help somewhere smaller? Well, certainly, I think the. It's quite interesting that because I think it's a reflection on the characters that um, that we've got, particularly in in Bristol and in and Liverpool local authority. Um, Marvin, especially, you know, very forthright. Mm. He's got a good profile. He's got lots of ideas, and he's very dynamic. And, and I think that helps. And it shows sort of, you know, one of the uh, one of the big flaws, I guess, of the mayoral model is humans. You know, <laughs> and it partly depends on the quality of who you're going to get. Um, but I think the 
certainly scale comes into it. I think if you're clearly if you've got a larger mandate and you've been elected in by more people, that probably gives you a, a greater amount of, of soft power um, to go around and sort of kick people up the bum about you need to get this done, you need to get uh, you need to get that sorted. Um, but what exactly the right scale is, I don't know. And I think you know if you were a mayor of a smaller place but were pretty dynamic, um, I'd imagine you would still get a you would still get a voice. So I wouldn't say it's um, uh, I would say it's important, but it's not absolutely necessary. So do you think it would be a good idea if ever it had mayors? Do you think like governments have missed the trick by not just making it the model? Well, I think that's a really interesting question. I mean, that's something that is uh, troubling policymakers at the moment. You've got this idea now that the, the Secretary of State of uh, Communities has come out and said, we're going to have a, a devil framework. We don't know exactly what that's going to be, but it seems to be um, it comes off the, the back of the Tory manifesto where it's like well, it's going to be devolution for everywhere. The big question is, well, what is the right model for everywhere? Is it one thing for cities, but another thing for, for counties and more rural areas? And I think that still needs to be worked out. Um, but having probably that figurehead that government can go and talk to um, isn't necessarily a bad thing. Um, if, you know, outside of the bigger cities, you know, people put forward a convincing argument that actually having that one directly elected politician will be a good thing. I think we should be open to that. I don't think we should think that, uh, uh, that it can only be for big places, but let's have a, have a conversation about it, I would say. Okay. Last question. Who's your favourite mayor? <laughs> you can have any mayor. Well, you can have a fictional mayor if I, you want. You can have Tommy Carchetti from The Wire. Right. Well, I did once play football against uh, Steve Rotherham at uh, party conference a couple of years ago, and um, we got in a bit of a spat with one another, so I didn't think that... Uh, really? Yeah, I did. That it, surprises me, because you never hear a bad word about Steve Rotherham. <laughs> I never loved him. How did you annoy well, Steve Rotherham? I, um, I think he's just dead competitive, and I'm dead competitive as well, because when I've, I've then met him since and shared events with him, he's a really, really nice bloke. So... Um, uh, I very much like Steve, uh, despite that. So I like to play football against him again to see how we get on. Um, but they're all, you know, um, uh, all leaders of their place, all sort of keen to be um, getting behind their um, getting behind their agendas and pushing their place forward, and that's great. And, you know, like all of our cities, we love all of our mayors as well. OK, thank you, Paul. Thank you. Do you think it was a mistake for some of the big names who were touted as possibilities? Like like Justin Greening, should she have gone for it? So I, I've actually done a U-turn on this. Um, in um, So even yesterday, and when, we, when you asked me to appear on this, I would have said yes. Uh, the reason being uh, Sadiq Khan, although he's a great campaigner, is quite a weak incumbent. Uh, you know, his, his, the, the, something which could have been the big centrepiece of his time, the pedestrianisation of Oxford uh, Circus, has effectively been killed mm. off by Westminster City Council. Uh, it's very difficult to see what his, here's what I've done uh, message in 2020. The Hop Affair is the only thing yeah. that I can point to as sort of a solid achievement. Yeah. Um, however, the national environment and, you know, the politics of London and the way they're changing and the fact that the government... Uh, then unless there's been a government and you have a Labour government in office, the sitting government nationally will be building an airport that a large chunk of the city doesn't like, will be pursuing uh, a Brexit that a large chunk of the city doesn't like, and it's very difficult to work out how the Conservatives uh, could win. And what I used to think is that Ed Vasey or, or Justine Greening, um, two, in my view, uh, you know, underrated uh, conservative politicians would be uh, wise to run and give their profile a shot in the arm. However, the thing I've been really struck by is 
not then, and many, many conservative activists, are, I, I should say, uh, are very aware of, of Sean Bailey's weaknesses and are aware it's a difficult race. But there has been a kind of systematic kind of... Um, so when I wrote a piece saying they should run, uh, Mark McGregor, who, who worked on several Tory leadership elections, said this is a good piece, but you've underestimated uh, the, the ridiculous expectations that conservative members and MPs will have. And people are already starting to say things to me like, oh, you know, of course we're going to beat Sadiq Khan. Because they have convinced themselves mm. uh, that Sadiq Khan, although he is a weak incumbent for the reason that is a lot weaker than he actually is. And I now think that uh, it would not have been good. For, although, yeah, we would have said, well, Justine Greening acquitted herself well, got a good write-up from The Economist, didn't insult any vital electoral blocks of London. Um, I don't think that it actually would have been good for them uh, brand internally. And I think that's a big interesting problem for the Tories in terms of uh, whether or not they are going to retain a competitive interest in citywide elections in the capital. That they do not have a reasonable sense of where they are building from, mm. which means that if you are someone who could help them build from it, why would you take the blame? Basically, I think they've, un they've underestimated quite how much of an aberration Boris Johnson was. But I mean, to points in response to that one is despite the sort of a slightly weird electoral system it is kind of a two-horse race like the the if if Sadiq Khan doesn't win the Tory candidate almost certainly will that's the way it's going to go so therefore whoever that candidate is in the same way that like you know 538 was saying before the 2016 presidential election you know Trump could win like but it's a two-horse race he could win Stuff happens. The Tory candidate could win. A scandal could come out. The mood could shift. And like, you know, predictions are for mugs at this point in history. The other thing I would say is like, if it's not a job for a Justine Greening type, because like they're not adding it to them, this just kind of backs up my point about, well, they should have gone for Joy Morrissey. They should have gone for someone who is building a brand rather than someone who is clearly on the sort of downward slope of their career as, as Sean Bailey is. Oh, yeah. I mean, they would have been better off with, uh, with either of the other candidates. <laughs> I mean, the thing is, though, is, yeah, the big difference between US and, and European politics, including that of the UK, even allowing for our majoritarian electoral system, is voters are more willing to shop around. Now, yes, at present, uh, the Conservatives are the second party in London. However, if you look at all of the polling out of the capital and you look at the local election results, it is not certain that that will remain the case, right? And so, yeah, you can you can draw up a very plausible scenario where Sadiq Khan is defeated by Sean ba Bailey. Uh, I like the way your voice broke halfway through that because you just couldn't believe the it The problem I have is I know from a kind of uh, intellectual hygiene perspective that you've got to keep an open mind, and I know that it's theoretically possible. I know that he probably does have, you know, a, a, a one in ten chance or something. Yeah, right. I, 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 I know... you just can't see it. Yeah, I, yeah but I, I don't believe it. I cannot get my head around mm. it. I simply cannot conceive of a man that unimpressive. Yeah becoming mayor of London. Okay, I take your point about how something else could emerge in London because, it, 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 to be fair, like the first mayoral election in the year 2000, Ken Livingston was not the Labour candidate. He came up as an independent and that is kind of allowed for by the by the electoral system in a way. Yeah, it's I think not, so. so what if you make it to second place, you can win. Basically. Yeah, what, what happens if, right, Brexit's gone really badly um, and, you know, Sadiq Khan is well ahead, Sean Bailey is continuing to drift and then someone like uh, the Pimlico Plumbers guy, who's yeah, basically a pro-European Tory, gets into the race and says, look, if you don't like Brexit, but you're a Conservative, vote for me. Mm. Uh, you send a message about... about this thing. That becomes quite powerful, I think. Or what if... Um, 
yeah, well, what if uh, Sean Berry goes, Sadiq Khan is going to be mayor of London. Sean Bailey is not going to win. If you're concerned about Heathrow, the only way to symbolise that, if you're a, yeah, if you're an anguished conservative, to vote for me. Or what if Caroline Pigeon of the Lib Dems mm. similarly does the same? And then you get a big uh, third party vote out of Richmond. So, you know, that whole bit of the of the flyover country, the bit that, um, the, I realise I'm using flyover country in a weird, I mean, literally, yeah, the, bit literally the, the bit the planes fly over. Yeah. Um, you know, we, we should be we should be wrapping up, um, but just before we do, is there a mechanism for replacing Bailey? Like, could the Tories go, "Oh, we made a mistake here, lads. Get rid of him and put someone else in," because the election is still, you know, eighteen months away. So there's no constitutional uh, mechanism to to do so. Uh, they would have to um, ask him to step aside, and he would have to agree to do so. Um, unless he were found to have brought, brought the party into disrepute, which I think it would be hard to say. I mean, I think that, uh, although I think there's actually a very strong case to be made for trying to sub him out, I don't think they will. I think it's been interesting that, um, you know, uh, M- senior MPs have, have doubled down on defend- defending remarks he has now today finally apologised for, uh, rather than having a kind well, London-based MPs have basically already started to put a cordon sanitaire around mm-hmm. him and them, which would worry me if I were him or CCHQ. But um, I just think that they're, they're stuck with him, partly because I can't see how uh, how Boff would, would want it at this point. And I think if you're Joy Morrissey, in an odd way, you've kind of already banked the fact that, you know, people like you and me and other sort of London-facing journalists like Dave Hill's excellent um, On London, on yeah. London blog, were not saying, do you know who's actually quite good, Joy Morrissey, before she ran uh, that campaign. That's true. She's got what she wants out of out of this. Uh, why would she give up a year and a bit of her life to probably lose to Sadiq Khan in a circumstance when the Tories would have dumped one candidate, which is never a great position to be in? Mm. Okay, so we look forward to May 2020 when we almost certainly get to see Sadiq Khan kick Sean Bailey's ass. See you next time. You've been listening to Skylines, the podcast from City Metric, the New Statesman City site. It was presented and produced by me, John Ellidge. If you enjoyed the episode, then please do consider leaving us an iTunes review. It really helps other people to discover the show. And, you know, the more people get listening to the show, the sooner I can achieve my real goal of world domination for the medium of trains. Thanks for listening. Goodbye. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.